You have queued up the Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation recorded at the New York City Concert Hall, Roulette. You can hear thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's past and present and find news of upcoming events celebrating innovation and imagination at roulette.org. Aren't you curious? Welcome to another edition of The Roulette Tapes. I'm Susan James. Today we feature pianist, composer, and educator Angelica Sanchez. We'll hear clips of five performances, all recorded at Roulette, including a trio with bassist Michael Formanek and drummer Billy Hart, followed by a second trio with Formanek and drummer Hammy Drake. We'll also hear Sanchez reflect on the process of composing for ensembles and what it was like to appear in projects by Michael Formanek and Susie Ibarra. We've also included special commentary on her tribute performance at last year's event in honor of the late trumpet player Jamie Branch. Here's Angelica Sanchez. So my name's Angelica Sanchez. I'm a pianist, composer, and educator. Uh, originally, I'm from Phoenix, Arizona, and I, I moved to the to New York City in 1995 and have been here ever since. Uh, currently, I'm um, assistant professor at Bard College in uh, upstate New York. There was always music in my house, and it wasn't until when I became a little older realized just how wonderful my father's record collection was. You know, at the time, you're 10 years old and it seemed like, you know, oh, that's dad's old music. But um, in hindsight, it was modern jazz quartet. It was George Shearing, it was Dave Brubeck. He had all of the Stan Getz Brazilian records that I fell in love with. So he had a, an amazing record collection. And around 10 years old, I started playing in the band at school, back when they had band. I played the clarinet badly. And around the same time, I started taking piano lessons because my brother took piano lessons. And I, you know, I excelled at the piano and became obsessed with it as a kid. And uh, they got me lessons. And when I was in high school, the local professor at the university there heard me and offered me free lessons um, as a high school student. And that really sort of gave me an edge that some of the other kids didn't have. So, you know, it really opened up my ears and mind to playing jazz. I didn't really have anyone to play with back then. So I would like uh, bribe my friends to come over and learn standards with me and my father would buy us pizza and they would, you know, they would be learning with me. So from a young age, I started, you know, figuring out that, oh, if I want to learn this music, I have to play. So um, before that happened, I didn't have anyone to play with. So I would play along with the recordings, right? And when I was around 13 or 14, my father gave me a record that he he told me, oh, this record's a little too crazy for me. Maybe you like it. And it was Miles Smiles. And that's when things really shifted for me around 13, 14, where I became obsessed with trying to figure out what Herbie Hancock was doing on the recording. It was really an exciting time as a kid for me to sort of play along with these records and try to find other Herbie Hancock records. And at the time, there wasn't jazz on the radio until Marion McPartland became syndicated. And then that opened up a sort of a whole world of other pianists to me right and then around 16 17 i realized 
I need to play with other people. So I started applying to summer music jazz camps. And the first camp I got into around 16 was a jazz camp in Aspen that was run by Paul Jeffries, you know. And I met new people there and I practiced and really was challenged in a lot of ways. It was also the first time I really experienced what it means to be a woman in the business, you know, some some harsh realities that uh, I hadn't really uh, lived through up until that time. And the following year, I had applied to the Banff Music Workshop. And at that session, I'm still, you know, lifelong friends with some of those people that were there. Kenny Wheeler was there. Uh, Muhal Richard Abrams was there. Jim Hall was there. Just, uh, you know, wonderful musicians. That, and we got to spend a whole month with these folks there. And then the next year was my last jazz camp. I went to a jazz camp in Sandpoint, Idaho, run by Eddie Schuler. Gunther ran the whole, Gunther Schuler ran the whole camp. It was classical and jazz. And at that camp was Joe Lovano, Billy Hart, Kenny Werner, you know, and, and of course I'm still friends with all those, all those amazing folks. So that was how I got started. After that camp, I moved to New York City in 1995. Formanek um, for many many years he was on my first recording and he's been on most a lot of my recordings and he's a, a lifelong friend who who I love and admire a lot um, very supportive and uh, Billy Hart I met at one of those camps when I was 19 years old and I always wanted to play with Billy and for 20 years I just didn't call him when I finally called him he asked me, he goes, why did it take you so long to call me? And I was just kicking myself. I was like, I don't know. Um, so, But Billy's always been supportive from the beginning and just a, a beautiful soul and uh, wonderful to play with. It, it feels like, you know, we we have a, a connection, a telepathic connection between the three of us, and it's a pleasure to play with him. So this concert, um, uh, I believe we recorded this concert after we made the recording that's out on Sunnyside of the trio, and uh, this was one of the performances that came afterwards.
I started composing right around, I mean, I started composing around 17 or 18, you know, small tunes. I always was drawn to organizing uh, music that way on the page and then and seeing how, how it was translated, right? Because every time you play it with different musicians, it's going to be different. And I realized that it was the person that I should be writing for, not necessarily the instrument. So I, I figured that out at a young age. And at this point, I was still learning the whole history of, of music and jazz and the improvised scene. And like, I, I didn't know that much about Duke Ellington when I was 17, um, because he wrote for people, not instruments, right? So I started uh, finding players in my community that I wanted to write for, whose playing I knew, right? Who had like mind. And then when I moved to New York, I definitely, uh, was driven to write for a uh, quintet and quartet. The first record I made was a quartet record that included Formanac and uh, Tom Rainey and Tony Malaby. And I wrote pieces for that. And I wrote short pieces for those individuals because I knew those guys could expand on anything that I gave them, right? So that began sort of this marriage between um, how are you connecting written through composed music with uh, a freeform improvised uh, section and how do you uh, intertwine these things can they be intertwined uh, you know so I, I spent the last 25 30 years sort of figuring out how to connect these two things right because when you improvise you're in the moment um, but I also wanted to write music where you could be in the moment and make different choices every time you played a piece right so every time you play a piece that I write there are choices you can make and every time they're going to be different and i'm still working on sort of uh, focusing that language and and those ideas um, but yeah this i the idea that uh, improvising and composition they're not that much different one's faster one's slower and i'm always trying to marry the two life if you're lucky you have what I call musical marriages right and I believe I have one of those connections with with Michael Formanac um, he's usually the person I call you know and, and um, that particular performance uh, we were supposed to do with Billy and something happened with the scheduling and I have always loved Hamid Drake and have been trying to uh, play more with him for the last 20 years it seems like so we're, we're good friends and and finally, our, our schedules lined up. He's probably the busiest uh, person I know working out there. So our schedules lined up, and Michael had never played with him. I I trusted both of them musically, you know, to the to the tenth power. So I knew no matter what happened, it was going to be good. So that particular performance is is improvised. We didn't um, use any written music or talk about anything ahead of time, and that's very exciting to me.
the drum trio with Michael Formanak and me as a special guest. So Michael had had this wonderful trio and uh, had worked with them for a while and developed the sound and everything. And then asked me after the fact to come in and put my voice into it. And I was really happy to do it. And we had a little rehearsal and a lot of what he gave me, I could read the written material he gave me, but I could also play the gesture of the material. I had choices, like I could play as, as much of the material as I wanted. So for me, that's an opportunity to paint and shape and in, you know, in, interweave my sound in the existing sound. And that's really fun because that trio is very expansive. So there was a lot of room for me to sort of experiment with sound. In, in many ways, the piano, the instrument becomes secondary because I'm thinking about the sound that's being made and not, not, I'm not necessarily thinking about the piano as an instrument, uh, more so what kind of colors can I get out of the piano. Jamie Branch's dedication concert. Um, I used to call her Miss Breezy. And I met her when she first moved to New York. She was, she would work the door at the old stone in the Lower East Side. And just a lovely soul full of light and excited about the music. And at this point, I didn't even know she was a musician. This was a long time ago. And then when she started coming out with her music and really flowering and just you know doing her thing it was just a joy to watch and then she's she played in Rob Mazurik's band with myself so we got to do a little bit of traveling and it was just wonderful to see her come into her own and it was really sad for all of us and shocking when we learned that she had passed so playing playing some music for her that night solo came very easily as I reflected on her spirit.
one of the first gigs I had when I first moved to New York was with drummer Susie Ibarra. And it was a quartet. Uh, and then later on, I played in this trio with her. She She's a very prolific composer and, and writes a lot of music. And uh, so I got to, to go on the road with her a little bit and get to know her. And, uh, and we played... I believe she wrote through composed music for uh, myself and Jenny Choi. And, uh, you know, just a, a wonderful person to improvise with. And Jenny's, her sound's very deep and what she brings to the table. Um, I haven't played with her in some time, but I remember being uh, a lot of fun and, and uh, very deep music. Angelica Sanchez discusses her new collaboration with Brandon Ross and Chad Taylor. We decided collectively, Brandon Ross and Chad Taylor and myself, to use a portion of each of our names to come up with a title. So it was actually Brandon that came up with the Branch Trio. So that's how the title for the for the group came in about. And we, we've all been very good friends for a long time now. One of those, you know, I've known Chad for a very long time. And same with Brandon. And actually, we played once together, might have been 2008, it was a while ago. And recently, after sort of the pandemic settled, uh, Brandon and Chad said, why don't we Why don't we do it again? Because we had such a great time playing before. And we said, yeah, why, why haven't we played? This is crazy we haven't played. So we recently played um, a gig in Philly and just had a blast. Like, it was so much fun. So now we have plans to play at Roulette, of course, and then we want to record and have this be one of our touring groups because it's just a blast. I play uh, uh, my Moog synthesizer in this group also, my little fatty, and uh, that's different. I don't always bring that out too often. So, And the music is, is completely improvised, but oftentimes we find ourselves creating these compositions, you know, within within our within our group, within the sound, because everyone's so connected to each other the way we play.
Angelica Sanchez heard in performances recorded live at Roulette. The full performances are available on our website at roulette.org archive. These recordings have been preserved as part of the Roulette Concert Archives, a project made possible in part with support from the National Endowment for the Arts. David Weinstein is Roulette's Director of Special Projects and Senior Producer for the Roulette Tapes. I'm Susan James. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to the Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation. This series is produced by Roulette Intermedium. You can find thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's archives and news of upcoming events at roulette.org.